Today's sponsor is FreshBooks, which makes cloud accounting software that's ridiculously easy to use. FreshBooks has completely transformed how 5 million small business owners deal with their day-to-day paperwork. They do everything from invoices to expenses to time tracking. You can get a 30-day free trial and start saving time and money at freshbooks.com slash Peter. This is Recode Media with Peter Kafka. That's me, powered by digital media. I'm here with Amina So, who's already laughing. Hello, Amina. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? You're laughing. That's good. I mean, you're entertained. I'm watching you record ads. It's funny. I, uh, I want to talk about your ads as well. You're a professional podcaster. You're a podcast star. Something like that. What's your podcast called? Um, my podcast is called Call Your Girlfriend. It's a podcast for long-distance besties everywhere. And it's you and your girlfriend? Um, Ann Friedman, who is a writer. Best friend? Yes, best friend. Not actually boyfriend, girlfriend, girlfriend, girlfriend. No, long, uh, long time best friend. We met in Washington, D.C. And uh, I think at this point we have lived uh, further apart than we've lived in the same city. And the conceit is you do it remotely. That's the whole shtick, right? Exactly. You call each other. That's the conceit of the show is that we call each other and it's our catch-up phone call in essence. And we have an agenda and we talk about all the things that you talk about with your friends. The you, we talk about the Kardashians, we talk about Wendy Dank going to Burning Man, and we talk about politics, we talk about menstruation, we talk about feminism, uh, the high and the low. And it's a big hit show. It's doing pretty well. Like out of the gates, a big hit show. How'd you do that? You know, I, I wouldn't say out of the gates. I think that, um, I think two things happen. One is that when we started doing the show, our friend uh, Gina Delvac, who is a producer, she is the radio person in essence, and she was the one that was like, here is how you make a podcast. Buy this microphone, do this, like, let's figure it out. And uh, by the time that people had started paying attention to podcasts again, we had a strong back catalog. Because there was a wave. There was, podcasts were big, and then they went away, and they and came they back, away, and, and now they're And then Serial really happened, right. and all of a sudden people were like, hmm, who are the other, like, you know, like, non-white guys who are making podcasts? And... You know, and so not all white guys, not all white guys, but uh, yeah, you know, I like that's also part of kind of the lore of our podcast is that we were we were told by by a man that uh, women don't make podcasts, and <laughs> nothing motivates me faster than that. Uh, you know, it's like how hard can it be? Turns and that guy out, was your investor, right? Because obviously he wanted to. Be oh podcast. my god! Please call us. No, I mean that guy's podcast sucks, but um, <laughs> nothing motivates me faster than telling me that like women don't do a thing. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's like how hard can it be? Turns but, out it's not that hard. So it, it's it's a great show. I've been doing a crash course in the last week or so. It's it's a, in many ways a, an advice column, right? Is there always reader questions or just frequently? You reader know, questions? there are frequently reader questions. It's funny. We didn't start off. Uh, we like never solicited like reader questions, but I think that because of the subject matter that we talk about, just friendship mostly, our inbox just started filling up with like these really sad stories of people not knowing how to. You know, it's like, how do we get the magic back in my friendship and, and all of this stuff? And so we accidentally became advice givers. I think I think that is the coolest thing about any kind of internet thing is where you can have a feedback loop with the people who are consuming your stuff and they come back to you and they give you more stuff to talk about. In your case, in, in it's form of questions. And, and I just think that's the most impressive thing about digital media when you do it right. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that it, um, you know, for one, it, like, it helps the show evolve. I think that it has is naturally taking this this form of giving advice and we 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 kind of go where our audience wants to go but I think that what's been really cool too is just being really reinforced and knowing that you know there are a lot of women like us who consume media like us which 
is not the conventional wisdom. So you guys started this thing how long ago? We started it two years ago, so I think we're going on year three now. And the idea was this will be a fun thing to do as a novelty, or we want to make a career out of this? We want to make a job out of this? No, it was really, um, Anne is a writer. I was like a digital strategist, worked in marketing. We like, were firm believers in having a side hustle always, like some sort of uh, creative outlet that you can do something at. And I think that we were both really interested in telling stories in a different format. you know. And I think there's something about audio that is really intimate and... Uh, and we were really lucky that our friend was a producer. And she was like, well, I will show you the ropes. And we did not set out to make a popular podcast. I think that if that had been the case, we would have failed. We were really just trying to learn how to do this thing and the mechanics of it. And the pleasant surprise was that people came along for the ride with us. And, and now you're doing live shows, you have advertisers. Is it still a side hustle or is it the main, is, is it what's paying it's still, your rent? It's, uh, for all of us, it's still a side hustle. We all have uh, day jobs or, you know, like other regular gigs. Um, but it's definitely like getting to the point where there is a serious question for all of us of this could be our jobs. But um, What do you, you think know, about that idea? I will not lie to you. For me personally, it's kind of an identity <clears throat> crisis <laughs> How so? in the sense that uh, I don't view myself as a media maker, but uh, I guess I've been making media now. And so, and it just had like had not occurred to me, right? And then you start like getting checks for it and then you start getting asked to do other things and you're like, oh. People recognize you on the street, right? It, yes, that happens and that is super. That's a thing. That's so weird though. It's so weird. It's like, hi, like I record a podcast in my closet because I don't want to be recognized. But yeah, you know, I think uh, I think that we're for all of us like we're all there. Um, I don't know, I can't tell you for sure like where the transition is going to happen. But for now, it's really fun. What What is the uh, single most difficult question you guys have gotten? One that you don't want to answer? I don't know that there's a question we don't. I mean, yeah, it we, seems like you take them all on. I mean, we. We talk about like periods and blood and guts. So yeah, but you guys I don't revel know. in that, right? Yeah, I mean, we like love it, but at the same time, it's like you know, if I can answer that, it's like, what's the thing I don't want to answer? <laughs> so. I was just listening to one on the way up where someone said, "Well, I've, I'm, I'm blogging at work, and work's told me that I shouldn't be blogging or I have to restrain what I write because it's about the workplace." And I thought, well, that's just a question you answered, you know, a sentence. I would answer in a sentence, which is like, "You got a job," and then you were, but you were good about it. You kind of came to the same conclusion. But you were very thoughtful about it and uh, reassuring and explaining you could go a couple different avenues. But ultimately, if you got work, you got work. I was very impressed. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, I think, I remember that question. I think that a lot of the questions that we get come from the same place of a, I am an anxious 20-something-year-old trying to be a less anxious 30-something-year-old who is trying to impress, like, a 40-something-year-old. <laughs> and I think that that's something that we all relate to. Like, we don't have um, good models or good manuals for just, like, how to be, like, young women in the workplace a lot of times. So those questions are really familiar to us because they're also things that we used to struggle with. Right. And so you are – I, I pegged you in late 20s, but you're, you're older than that now. Yes. Um, is it – Odd at all to be giving advice to, to people who are in their twenties? I mean Did it's never give you pause, like, what am I doing here? It's definitely it's definitely odd. I um I don't consider myself to be a good advice giver and i I find it a little uh you know, I'm just like there are people who are way better at this at doing it, but I think that at the same time I view more what we're doing as more like kick in the pants. It's like listen. You already know the solution to the problem in asking this thing. You just need to you have just, someone say it out loud. You just want somebody to say it out loud, and you want somebody to reinforce the fact that you should like quit your job, or you should tell your boyfriend that he sucks, or that you should, you know, it's like if you're at the point where you're asking like internet strangers what you should do with your life, 
you kind of already know what you should do with your life. Have you guys thought about taking this and making it a TV show or playing around with different formats? That you've done, I said you've done live things, right? Or at least one, yeah, a couple we're, live things. We're doing live shows. Uh, we, we've definitely been approached about like some TV projects. You know, I think that for us, we we're, just, we're trusting the process and we're trusting the form. Like I think that there's still a lot of stuff that we can do audio wise and. Um, and part of like taking this on the road and doing it and you know doing it more interactively is connecting with our audience. Is there like a CYG book one day or a CYG TV show? I think that those things are quite possible. But I also, you know, I'm like at the end of the day, I'm also a marketer. <laughs> and uh and I think that one mistake that people make is that they do things too fast, you know, and that uh they always feel that like, you know, it's going to go away if you get this opportunity now and you don't take it, it's going to go away. I don't think that that's true. I think that we like we're still in the process where, like, we need to build an audience and we need to build more, you know, kind of, like, brand awareness and more, like, cachet around what we do. And then we can explore these other forms. Can, can you walk people through sort of how you launch a podcast, how you launch a media – we're going to call you a media brand for a minute. Even a couple of years ago, there was still a ton of stuff in, in iTunes. There was still a million mm-hmm. other podcasts. How do you create space? How do you get in front of people? How do you bootstrap your way to attention? That's a hard question. And I think that for us, it's like worth saying that we kind of cheated because we are people who have worked on the internet and the public eye for a long time, right? And so it's like when we were ready to launch a thing, we like knew exactly who to go to. Yeah, well, walk us through that. How do you build? So you you had a network? Yeah, we already had a network. How do you build Um, that network? Where does that network come from? That network for us came through like professional things. Like Anne has been, like she was a longtime writer and editor in DC. I worked in social media and social media marketing, like, for a long time in D.C. also. And we were just, honestly, you know, like, I don't say this, like, sheepishly, but for us, a lot of the people that we reached out to, like, turned out that they were our friends. And so that was you mean kind of... You reach out to for, like, an endorsement or for... Well, play? you know, actually, we didn't do, like, Call Your Girlfriend didn't do any of that stuff. It just so turned out that, like, when we launched a podcast, we were like, hey, guys, like, this is this new thing that we're doing. Some of our best friends were media influencers, <laughs> and so we didn't have to do the whole, you know, like we don't do any kind of earned media or like that kind of rigmarole. I, I was I was I was googling you earlier and uh, said one of your besties is Lena Dunham. Did that come before or after the show? I think that came before the show. So how do you how do you get connected with her? Um, I know Lena through Brooklyn, and uh, you know, just being ladies in New York, she's great. It's just a circle. So it's it's interesting, right? It's 2016, 2015. It still matters. Location still matters yeah. if you're doing this stuff. You you can you literally do this show from anywhere. You can call from anywhere. Yep. But your network is around Washington, New York. Yeah, Washington, New York, San Francisco, LA, like you know, we're, if you were, we're coastal if, ladies. If you were growing up and if you were just launching this thing from Omaha, it'd be much harder to build that network. Probably it would be much harder. I think too, you know, that it's worth noting that yeah, it's it's that. It's like your location matters, but also like your profession matters, right? It's like we're like steeped in media and tech. And, you know, in some regards, like, that sucks because it just, there are a lot of, like, smaller shows and flyover states and, like, people doing really cool stuff that don't get the same kind of attention because they're not part of Right, and telling world. people you have to move to New York or Washington or San Francisco or someplace like that, right, well, that's pretty limiting for a lot of folks. It is really limiting, but I think, too, that, you know, I think that the internet has made it so that you don't have to move to those places, but you definitely have to know people in those places, you know, and I think that you can you can cheat a little bit there. Do you find that when you're giving advice to 20-somethings that they're comfortable with the notion that you have to actively network and actively build a network and create people who are going to help you both as friends and professionals, or do they sort of get that inherently now? 
No, I think that they um, they really need to see it. I think, too, that the thing that a lot of 20-something-year-olds don't realize, and for me and you know, probably for Anne, is something that we realize really early on, is that if you don't have a built-in network, you have to do the work of making that, right? It's like we lived in D.C. That's kind of a... At the time, at least, was like a very chauvinist, like white dude kind of town. I worked at a think tank, and I will, you know, like my boss, like literally told me, like you're not worth investing in because you didn't go to an <laughs> Ivy League school. You're not a dude. You're not like. He's like, wow, I don't know. You found a lot of great anti mentors in your no, life. No, totally. And he was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with you. You know, like I'm proud to report, I'm like the only rock star out of that cohort today. Um, they're all like nobodies. But the thing, the thing that is really <laughs> liberating about somebody saying that to you is that instead of looking up at all these people that, you know, you want to mentor you, because there's a limited amount of people who can actually mentor you, is that you start looking around, right? And you look on your own level and you say, who has potential here? And how can we help each other? And I think that that's really, for me, that's been the story of my career. It's like the really the horizontal loyalty and saying, who are the people that are on my level? Like, how do we level up together? And how do we, you know, like, how do we find our own confidence? And, that, and, and that how do we get there? Actively leaning into it and say, we're going to level up together. You have potential, I have potential. We're going to actively do this. I can imagine points in my life where if people had said that to me or about me or my friends, we would have said, what the hell? Are you? You're weird, dude. What are you, why are you talking like that? That it would have been perceived as a weird sort of um, just an alien person. There are obviously yeah. people like that. Um, I'm just, it strikes me from afar now that people are more comfortable saying, no, no, I get that this is part of the thing, that school is a thing and work is a thing and then yeah. network is another thing and I have to create a network. It's and part of my life. You have to do it. And, there, and there's nothing, you know, I think that if you're transparent about all of that stuff, there's nothing like yucky about it, right? Because Yeah, yucky was the word I was looking yeah, for. Yeah, because you're, you're being very intentional, you know, and it's like the people around you can be a resource to you and it's you, fig- you figure out how to like mentor each other because – Nobody, <laughs> like nobody else is going to do it for you. All right, we're going to take a break. You guys can start building your network. We're going to make a little bit more money here. We'll come right back. Yes. Today's show is brought to you by FreshBooks, which makes super simple cloud accounting software. FreshBooks is helping more than 5 million small businesses conquer their paperwork in less time with way less stress. It only takes 30 seconds to create and send a polished professional-looking invoice. And customers who accept online payments with FreshBooks get paid an average of three days faster. FreshBooks can even show you whether or not a client has looked at the invoice you've mailed. It's kind of like having superpowers. They track your expenses, your cash flow, and the time you're spending on each project. FreshBooks is offering a free month to all Recode Media listeners right now. To claim your offer, go to freshbooks.com slash Peter, enter Recode Media in the part where they ask you where you heard about us. That's freshbooks.com slash Peter to start your 30-day free trial. Thank you, FreshBooks. I'm back with Amina So. Hello, Amina. We got some tea in you. What's in your tea? This is mint tea. I'm, you know, this is this is here at the pa- sweet digital media studio. Listen, we, we this spare is no expense. this is a palatial situation happening here, and uh, you know, I was going to ask you record all your your stuff on the phone. That's the conceit of it. Yeah, I've been doing this since February. I've done one phone interview. It was he was very good, but it was difficult to do. I find the face to face really works for me. Yeah, it, it's do you ever want to switch that around? I don't know. It's funny. For us, uh, whenever we're in the same room, I get really flustered because we've been doing it. We've been doing it remotely so um, for so long. But we do most of our um, we we have like segments called phone of friends. We also do those through the phone, but I've done a couple of them actually in person just because I've been in New York so much this summer. You know, and every once in a while the really tricky part is when we do like a three way phoner. 
and uh, we've done like a four-way one once. And uh, can I ask a gender question? Is this always with women, or, or do you yeah, there there have only been two dudes on Call Your Girlfriend in seems the like, history. It seems of, like if you had a dude show. on the phone, it'd be a lot harder to pull off. Really, why? I just think dudes are less good at phone conversations. I don't know. We had our friend Cord Jefferson, who's a delight, who like did great really early on. And then um, our buddy Andrew Golis that we called to ask for feminist advice. I don't know. But yeah, it's, you, you have to be very special to be a man on Call Your Girlfriend. All right. Well, let's see if I can work up to it. I'm probably not, actually. Probably don't want to hear from me <laughs> at all, actually. <laughs> we'll I'm call just, you with some like media questions. Call me some Peter, old, old man questions. How do we make uh, media moguls? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just here podcasting here in a, with a plastic cup. You're a media mogul. I'm you a know. media mogul. Um, we should talk. We should have the disclosure segment now, right? Because yes. you and I worked together for a minute. Yes, we did. Man, um, podcast disclosures. We did work together on putting on the uh, code conference. You programmed part of the code conference. You brought in some of the, the awesome thinkers and doers. Yeah, and, I know. Um, and I remember when, when Kara Swisher said she wanted to work with you. Said, oh, everyone knows Amina. Amina's totally plugged in. She's got this amazing network. I'd never heard of you. <laughs> Um, which doesn't mean anything. I just thought, and then I looked into it. Like, yeah, she does know everybody. Was that all from the podcast, or, or again, was this this network that you'd built up over time? No, it's literally the network that I've built up over time. The podcast has only been the last two years, and and honestly, like I don't consider the podcast part of my like professional story. Yeah, you know, I've I've lived a lot of places. I've worked a lot moved of jobs. Lot. I've moved around a lot. So you, um, you, st- you went to college in Texas, but you didn't grow up in the U.S., right? I um I grew up in Belgium and in Nigeria. I am originally from Guinea. I went to college at UT Austin, Hook'em Horns. And, and what was the plan when you got to when you went to you went? Did you move to the U.S. for a school? I moved to the U.S. for school, and there was kind of no plan. I was really ex- I wanted that like American movie college experience. I was like, where can I go? What movie were you thinking about? That is like all of them. I was like, where can I go that is really big but still has like decent academics? Um, and uh, Austin was great. It like, it worked out really well. I um, studied political science. My parents were diplomats. So it's thought, Texas, but it's Austin. So you get sort of exactly cool college, but also exactly. America. Exactly. And there's like a great football team and I like wanted all of that stuff. And uh, I thought I was going to be, like, Christian Amanpour was, like, my hero growing up, and I thought that's what I wanted to do. It's like my parents were diplomats. So I was like, maybe I'll be a journalist. And then I kind of don't know what happened. I, like, moved to D.C. I worked at this think tank for a while. And I was like, I am too fun for, like, policy work. This is, like, this is great. I care deeply about policy, but the people who make policy, like, drive me Was there a particular the policy you, were, you thought you were interested in? Mostly like foreign policy stuff. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I was just like, I, like, yeah, I'm like, I am too fun for this. And so, yeah, it just, like, didn't happen. And at the same time, it's like the – I graduated college in, like, 2007. I think we were the last college class where people had, like, jobs when you still graduated college. I was not one of those people. And then the, – What do you like, mean? Because, because of the recession afterwards? Yeah, because, because of, because of the yeah. recession. It's yeah. like, I, like I remember being a freshman in college and, like, being friends with all these seniors, and they knew exactly where they were going. Like, that was a thing that used to happen. That was not true by the time, like, my class showed up. And then the recession happened, and I think everybody just kind of had to learn to be uh, like, you know, it's like, what is the resource that you can pull on? And and social media was kind of becoming a thing this at the MySpace, same time. Facebook. Yeah, it was like Facebook, Twitter, and I just like put all the think tank stuff online. I was like, oh, I could do this. I know how to talk to like humans and <laughs> take these really complicated policy points and do that. And then from then on, I was like, this is what I want to do. You became a social media connector. Yeah, it was like social media, marketing, uh, digital marketing. Then I like started building websites and like running campaigns. And I was like, oh, I actually like enjoy this. I enjoy this so much better. 
and it is suited to like my talents better. And there was a woman in, was, is a woman in tech listserv? Yeah, and then we started this woman in tech listserv called the Tech Lady Mafia. Um, we do murders, that's our tagline. No, it's like that started when? In 2009, it was the same. Um, I feel like this is a theme in my life. It was one of those, uh, my co-founder, Eerie, sent me, uh, she like sent me a late night G-chat that was some article where it's like, only four women know how to computer, three women know how to math in the country. And uh, and she was really outraged. And I was like, you know, these stats are true, probably, but that's not true for us. Like, we know people who are applying to be NASA astronauts. Like, that's in our network. Right. And so, you know, it's like, instead of coming from a place of scarcity, like, what if we chose abundance and we, like, banded together and we gave each other advice? So and the point is, find women who are in tech already, network, you have a common yeah. thing. Not, It's not necessarily, let's go promote science in grade school. Yeah, we're not opposed to it, but... The point was you're women, you're the yeah. commonality is you're a woman and you're in tech. Exactly. That and I was like, this is and, and even in, in a town like DC, I was like, actually there are a ton of women who work in technology here. They just don't identify that way. And we all feel isolated. That was the truth of it. And I was like, so if instead of being isolated, we just like all found each other, what does that look like? And I think we emailed thirty people and now the listserv is over two thousand people. So and, and, <laughs> that worked out. And so what 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 sort of happens there? Is is the idea we there's a thing we want to achieve here or we're just connecting each other and that, that in itself is enough? Yeah, it's like the thing that we wanted to achieve was really finding each other and being a resource for each other. So I think that it that has taken on many iterations. It's like we throughout the years we have helped each other find jobs. Everybody has leveled up professionally in a way that has um, like been really great to see from when we joined. We have become a resource for people who are recruiting now. You know, it's like people come to me all the time and they go, I'm looking for an engineer who does X, Y, Z. I'm like, I probably know like 10 people who do that. And we do also a lot of media training, a lot of media awareness. We uh, we have a men's auxiliary group. They plan our annual picnic every year. <laughs> and and they tell us how much money they make so we know how much money to ask for when we're applying for jobs. So, yeah, it's been uh, it's pretty fun. I think I first started talking to you because I was going to end up talking to DeRay from Black Lives Matter. Yeah. And you sort of brokered an introduction there. Um, how did you get connected with those guys? Through the internet, probably. The internet. Yeah, Duray and I have some good friends in common. So through like Teach for America and Bodoan when he where he went to school. But yeah, mostly in the internet. And is there a commonality there between Black Lives Matters and the TechServe stuff and what you're doing professionally, or they're all separate groups? I think they're all they're all separate things. I think that for me, my um, I'm like very curiosity driven. I just if I want to know something, like I will get to the bottom of it and. Uh, and I also like I love connecting people and find and you know like finding external facing solutions for people. That sounds really sounds like very consultant. Speak. Yeah, very consultant. But that's, like that boring, is your job, but though, I'm right? Like, yeah, it is my it is my job, but it's also like kind of my life's mission. I'm like, this is what I do, and this is what I enjoy doing. So you're, you're you said the podcast is your side hustle still. So mm-hmm. your day job. You have a cool day job. You told me about. It. Can you tell us? Tell us. Who um, for? Yeah, you know, like for a day job, I do mostly marketing consulting. I help people launch products, and so. It, I get to work with like really cool tech companies and some media companies, and uh, can we say like, who you're working with now? Still or you doing don't wanna, that? You don't I, wanna, I can't. Oh, okay. I can't say what it rhymes um, with. Sorry, Peter. But it's cool. So it's it, the point is it's a big, well-known brand. Yeah. I'm thinking of, and they want you to do stuff like what? They they reach out to you because why? Well, they reach out to me because <laughs> one, I do know everyone, but also because. 
I think that people don't take marketing seriously enough. You know, it's like people will make things, they'll they'll put so much effort into engineering and they'll put a lot of effort into creating. And then they just assume like if we build it, people will come. That is not That's true. part of it, right? And I think a yeah. lot of it is also they deal with people who are marketing who often aren't great. I think that that is fair, but I think that if you like if you are building anything in 2016 and marketing is not at the forefront of what you're doing, you're a fool. It's a waste of your time and nobody will see the thing that well, you're I making. I think in tech, right, and I think probably some other industries as well, there's there's a bunch of coder types who are very really dismissive of marketing, right? And some of this is gender too, right? Because it tends it's to be women. It's definitely a gender. And there's like if the, the product will sell itself, it'll take care of itself, mm-hmm. we don't need to do this. Or um, and, and sometimes there's a healthy skepticism of companies that are led by marketing. Where it's more marketing than anything yeah. else, it all it all goes together. I think it all goes together. I think that definitely in tech, um, people who work in you know like marketing is seen as a soft skill or something that you do afterwards. But you know, I don't know. I'm like the like history just like proves that wrong. It's no, like look the, the, at any look at anything that is successful. It's like mostly marketing. No, and Steve Jobs is the best marketer of all time, no, right? Exactly. And we all say that. And we acknowledge. We were just talking about this. If you actually go back and watch. The videos, especially when he early on when he's launching the initial versions of Apple and comes back, like it's amazing. Yeah, what no, he's doing. he he knows what he's doing. And 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 it, over time, it sort of got dismissed as well. He's just sort of he's he's blinding. He's saying that black is white and and, and up is down, and and he's saying the new whatever is the most amazing thing, and it's not really. It's got problems, but he he created entire brands and products and awarenesses that awarenesses. That's pretty smart. I think you can. I think you can. I'm say going that. with it. No one's going to hear this thing. That's anyway. cool. <laughs> um, but it was super impressive. So people reach out to you to say, Amina, we want to launch a thing. Amina, we want to launch or, a or thing. We want you, we're launching this thing, and we want you to do this one specific subset. Exactly. It's like Amina, we're launching a thing. Like, can you come um, on board and kind of advise us on that? Or this thing is ready for launch. Who should we reach out to to figure that out? So do you know like some sort of like marketing PR strategy or? A lot of times it's, hi, I have this idea. Like, do you think anybody will want to use this? When, when they come to you and say, we, we want you to reach some influencers, and, and this is an idea that I think probably didn't exist a few years ago. It wasn't, it wasn't people weren't aware of it. It's uh, not as systematic, yeah. And the idea now, I'm sure people like Lena, also people are used to being approached and saying, would you fondle this product in, in public? <laughs> would you wear these glasses? Would you would wear you? these earbuds? <laughs> they must be inundated. They, it must, and, and I think also, I assume it's harder to get them to do something. Yeah. And I assume that the, the audience is much more aware of this and probably less responsive to it in some ways, That in part because this stuff has gotten so public. Yeah, I think that that's true. I think, too, that one of the pitfalls that people make is that they think that influencer means celebrity, you know? And so they're always trying to get their stuff in the hands of celebrities. Listen, I um, there are a lot of celebrities that I love, but I don't take their product reviews seriously, right. you know? And so I think that if you want to be smart about it, you actually need to figure out, like, who are the known and not so known people who are influential in the sphere that you want to be in. And I think that that is, um, that's really the key. And the people who are not smart about it, like that's not the way they think about it. They're just like, you know, like who's the like hundred most famous people. I'm going to send them X, Y, Z. I'm like, that's not actually how people consume things. And and now there's derivations, right? Oh, we want a Vine star. We want a Musical.ly star. Um, you're in your thirties. Um, yes. Are you concerned at all that there's going to be a new set of, Influencer is a new social platform that 
sort of won't be organic to you and you're going to have to sort of be the person on the outside trying to figure out how it works? Yeah, I mean, I, that's already happened for me. <laughs> I think Cause, that... Cause uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about that all the time. Yeah, no, I mean, I think about that all the time, but it also, uh, it doesn't give me too much anxiety. You know what I mean? I think that uh, part of the reason that we are good at what we do, like people like you or me, is that... Uh, if we don't know something, we know how to find out about it. So, you know, like, I'm not too worried about that. And I and I do think that we have seen, you know, I like these kids on Snapchat, I'm just like, I don't understand what is going on there. So you're, and you're, musically, you're confused by Snapchat as well? Yeah. Snapchat is the first thing that ever made me feel old. I was like, oh, I am no longer relevant in this demographic. and But that felt great. And do you force yourself to go in there and create a persona and look for followers? No. Or, no. I don't like force myself. I think that, uh, you know, like for the older geezers like us, Snapchat is fun in that it's the one platform where everybody can be themselves. Like nobody looks good and uh, everybody is kind of a little silly. So among my friends, like we really like using it for that. But, you know, beyond that, I'm just like, this is not my world. If someone comes to you and they've got a terrible idea and they've picked it, they want to create their own social network. They want to create their own virtual reality world. I've seen versions of this. Oh, Um, my God. Is it your job to go, that's a terrible idea, you shouldn't do it? Or do you say, I will help you execute this for this amount of money, and then, but don't put my name on it? No. If I think it's a terrible idea, I'll tell you it's a terrible idea. But at the same time, you know, it's like people get funding to do terrible things all the time because, yeah, venture capital is basically welfare for white people, so they'll build anything. And, I, you know, I think that there's something to learn in a lot of those failures, and there's something to explore there. But for me personally, like, if I think something is dumb, I will tell you it's dumb. You were in San Francisco for a couple of years. You just came back to New York. Are you done with San Francisco? Is there something there that made you want to leave or something made you want to come back to New York? Well, I famously quit my job on Kara Swisher's podcast. What? <laughs> you don't know the story? No, it's I don't great. know that story. I got to go back and look um, it up. I, you know... I am done with San Francisco. I, I really enjoyed my time there. I like like my friends there. I'm I paid my dues in the, you know, like Silicon Valley, like content farms. But it it's just not the place for me. It is just like eerily homogenous. There's not any kind of diversity. I'm not even talking about like racial diversity. Just people all do the same thing. Um it's a company and, town. It's a company town. The energy is not compelling for me. And, you know, it's it's too far from all the things I care about, and uh, so I'm glad to be there. I will I will spend more time there. I know, but just uh, emotionally, like that's like that's not my vibe. I'm glad to have you back in New York. How long do we get to keep you in Brooklyn for? Um, hopefully forever. Forever. All right, good. We'll come back in a year or so. Have you back on? See how Sold. things are going. You can tell me about your super secret super <laughs> secret client that we can't say on air. It'll be, I'm trying not to get sued, Peter. Who's, uh, who's, who, made, who made your tea there? You can at least endorse the tea. Um, let's endorse the tea. The tea is made, it's Celestial Seasonings. I've heard of that brand. Hey, actually, you know what? Um, who? Let's use this platform right here. Yes, tell me. Who should people go check out, either a podcast or a book or a song or a thing? Oh, that's What's great. What's under the radar that shouldn't be under the radar? Um, I'm really into this great, two great podcasts. One of them is called Mashup Americans. And uh, it just tells the story of people who are like hyphen Americans and new Americans and um, whatever. It's really well done. You should definitely check it out. Another podcast, that's the high. The low is another podcast I love is called Who Weekly. And it's basically all of the, you know, like when you're in the uh, grocery store and you're looking at Us Weekly and you recognize like one person on the mm-hmm. cover and then it's like a hundred pages of like who the yep. F is this person. Yep. 
Who Weekly tells you about all of the stars that you don't need to give two craps about. It's a whole podcast to get people you don't need to care about. Yeah, it's but it, but it's great. It's actually like it's actually like fascinating media criticism. It's uh, made by Lindsay Weber and Bobby Finger, who are people who you know are like great internet personalities. And beyond just like making fun of the who's, it's like the world is divided in who's and them's. They explain to you like why magazine pages are filled with these people. All right, I'll listen. And uh, it's fantastic. Otherwise, I just read a book called Homecoming that is also great that I recommend. All right, late breaking news. I forgot to ask you a question that I wrote down because I wanted the answer to Tell it. me, tell me. So you have theme music. Yes, we do. And I thought for a minute, oh, this is very cool. They got one of their listeners to create a song for them. I've always been <laughs> jealous. And then I just thought, I, I'll Google on the way up. It turns out it's not something from your listener. It's from Robin, who's yes. a pop star. It's from Robin, who is a ginormous pop star who uh, like, we are such big fans of. Okay, but I, I would like to use Robin's music, but we can't because they tell me I can't do that legally. How do you guys pull that off? We do do it legally. We license the song. So uh, what happened is that uh, Anne is a writer who is my co-host for the show, and she profiled Robin for um, this great British magazine, The Gentlewoman. And so Robin like knew about the podcast. And uh, you know, so one interview at Popstar, two had that Popstar know about your podcast. Yeah, and I'm it's like you know, notes. and she's like obviously flattered, but also uh, you know, like I'm gonna give it up to the people at Universal Music Group who were great to us, and so we licensed the theme song and a couple of other songs on the show. So that works out well. So you cut them a check, you pay them each episode. How does um, it work? No, we pay them for I want to say like two or three years, and, and you pay so, them out of pocket. Yeah, your pocket, out of our pocket. You can afford that. We're podcast moguls, but also they gave us a good deal. They gave you a good deal, and and you read tampon ads and bra ads, and that pays for the theme music. Yeah, it's like all of these, uh, you know, like lady product ads. Turns out that it, it, like, it pays. Listen, I I endorse socks, which which I'm perfectly happy with. These are very nice socks here from Mac Weldon, even though they're not paying me right now. But I will endorse tampons or any product if I can get cool theme music. We're endorsing tampons. We endorse. uh, We have a bra. We have a lot of period underwear. We have a food delivery with Casper mattresses of a kind. Yeah, we have some like really fun sponsors. I, w- I will endorse whatever fine sponsor would like to work with me if I can get awesome theme. I got to figure out cool theme music. I'm going to work. I'm on telling you, go with the show. go with the labels. The labels are weirdly. Um, they will work with you. Okay, I'm going to try to do it. Thank you so much for having me, Peter. I Thanks appreciate for it. coming. If you guys like listening to this, and of course you did, I mean, it was on. We'd love it if you subscribed on iTunes or Android Play or anyone, any place you like to listen to podcasts. If you want to give us a uh, review, that's great too. Or you can just go on a podcast and tell your friends about how awesome this podcast is. That also works. Uh, and if you like this, there's Kara Swisher's podcast, uh, Rico Dico, Lauren Good is too embarrassed to ask. You know all these things because you're listening to the end of this podcast, so you love this show. Thanks also to our sponsor, FreshBooks, and to Digital Media, who makes this thing possible. This is Recode Media. I'm back next week. See you then.